GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. It's always quite surprising to see how much sugar there is in everyday foods. Susan Edwards and Nicole Head of Diabetes Gibraltar joined us with advice on how to avoid having too much sugar in your diet. And GBC is celebrating its 60th anniversary in January with a special exhibition and programmes, one of which is a documentary about the history of Gibraltar's public broadcaster. It's called Recordándote, the GBC story, and I discussed it with the filmmaker Stephen Cumming. But first, there was shock yesterday when David Cameron became Foreign Secretary. Mr Cameron, now Lord Cameron, was Prime Minister between 2010 and 2016. He's no longer an MP, so he had to be given a seat in the House of Lords. So it was expected that there would be a cabinet reshuffle, but it has had more of an impact on Gibraltar than we thought. And here to make sense of it is the GBC News editor, Christine Vasquez. I spoke to the Chief Minister about the appointments yesterday and he said uh, David Cameron was not a bad appointment for Gibraltar. He has a lot of contacts in Europe, he said, and it's a relationship that's already there. The only Prime Minister to visit Gibraltar while in office. It was a very short trip, if we recall, because uh, sadly Joe Cox had been killed that day and he had to return to the UK uh, Fabian Begarda also said we haven't lost James Cleverly. Uh, Gibraltar has a lot of dealings, he said, with the Home Office as well, and he's there now as Home Secretary. I don't think that sort of relationship ever existed with Suella Braverman. Um, and the other thing the Chief Minister told me is he didn't think it would affect the treaty negotiations because the ministers were just overseers and not actual um, negotiators. As you said, the appointment was surprising because David Cameron had been away from politics and was not an MP. And as you also said, he could only get a job in the cabinet by being made a life peer and sit in the House of Lords. OK, so um, so that, shall we have a listen to what the words that Fabian Picardo used and then we can uh, make sense of them? I don't think that there's any issue here arising as a result of this change, which is going to mean that we're going to have less access to number 10 uh, Downing Street with Mr Sunak, less access to King Charles Street there with David Cameron than we've had under James Cleverley. And indeed, if anything else, although I, I knew Suella Braverman and didn't know her as well as I know James Cleverley, therefore perhaps we've gained access in the sense that we'll have more access to the Home Office than we did before. It's quite funny that he, um, Mr. Picardo, finished his interview uh, with you yesterday by saying, so all, all, words to the effect of, all in all, it's not a bad appointment, which I thought sounded like um, uh, it was slightly damning with faint praise. But uh, I think overall, uh, he was very positive because uh, of that main point that, that you've made. Uh, before, there wasn't necessarily a particularly close relationship uh, with the... Uh, the the, uh, the Home Secretary, yeah. and now the Home Secretary is James Cleverly, with whom Gibraltar has a close, and Mr Picardo as its Chief Minister, a close relationship. Yeah, so we've gained two, is the way I think uh, Mr Picardo was saying. We have now David Cameron, with whom we have a relationship, and also um, James Cleverly. It's... Um, 
We don't know how difficult it's going to be for David Cameron as far as Gibraltar is concerned. It's good, as we say, because it's somebody we have a relationship with. Uh, But, of course, there have been concerns in the UK about a lack of scrutiny for David Cameron because he won't be able to answer questions in Commons, not even from his shadow counterpart from the shadow foreign minister. Uh, we understand reports suggest that the speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, is looking into this to see what options are available. Of course, he will be scrutinised by the Lords, and even if the Lords isn't as cutthroat, perhaps, as the Commons, um, they are, of course, clever, clever, so he will be scrutinised. Um, David Cameron's appointment has brought back issues levied against him, the close links with China and the Greensill lobbying scandal where billions of dollars went missing after Lex Greensill's finance company collapsed. And he'd, of course, been given an office in Downing Street under David Cameron. And uh, just interestingly, uh, a bit of research and a bit of facts, Although ministers in the Lords are normally junior ministers, it's not the first time that a cabinet minister is in the Lords. The leader of the Lords, Lord True, is a cabinet minister. Peter Carrington was a hereditary peer and was Margaret Thatcher's foreign secretary. And Peter Manderson was also business secretary under Gordon Brown. And in fact, Gordon Brown actually appointed 11 life peers as ministers or advisers. So surprising, but not unusual. And of course, as we know, UK politics, you just never know what's coming next. Yeah, well, Mr Cameron resigned after Britain voted to leave the European Union in a referendum that he called but voted no in. And and, um, and, and he's back in politics. And he's back in politics. And, and uh, The Economist uh, summed it up uh, as so. Uh, Mr Cameron's questionable record in power and Mr Sunak's picking of an unelected candidate for a top job casts the Tories as a party running out of talent and ideas. Not quite as positive as... Uh... Quite a bit harsh. Yeah. No, no, no. I think I'll stick to Mr Picardo's... Uh, this is a good... He would, he would not be a bad appointment. Not a bad G- appointment for Gibraltar. Um, all right, well, we, we, we watch this space because we know that uh, Mr Alvarez has, has welcomed his appointment and, and Mr Picardo in his interview with you, which is available to uh, watch back online in full, Mr Picardo said that uh, uh, David Cameron actually has very impressive contacts across Europe. That's right. Um, and while he won't be particularly warmly received necessarily, I'm paraphrasing, uh, in the UK, he'll be more warmly received in the European Union where uh, he's seen as a statesman or abroad generally. Yes, so Foreign Secretary perhaps is the right slot for David Cameron. And as you say, uh, it all seems to be coming together for Mr Bigardo in terms of treaty negotiations because we will be expecting Pedro Sanchez to... Uh, be able to pull it. Uh, probably we should have we should know something by Thursday. The vote should take place on Thursday, if not Friday morning, the latest. So by the end of this week, we'll have a clearer idea of what's happening in Spain. So the puzzle seems to be coming together towards a continuation of treaty negotiations. Gibraltar today with Jonathan Scott. We're going to be talking about sugar and in particular about diabetes. Uh, You may have seen the Diabetes Gibraltar team in town on Saturday with their sugars board. Uh, It's always quite surprising to see how much sugar 
there is in everyday foods. Uh, I was talking to Robin Shepherd Gaburro earlier, um, and uh, and I started thinking a little bit differently about the baked beans on toast that I had for breakfast this morning. And Robin was telling me uh, about uh, the one that always gets him, which is t- uh, tomato ketchup, uh, which uh, he always says is, is very surprising to see how much sugar there is in the red stuff and of course the uh, diabetes gibraltar team represented this with actual granulated sugar uh, next to uh, each food item uh, on saturday and, uh, and and it's a pleasure to be joined today uh, by diabetes gibraltar thank you so much uh, for coming in um and uh, and uh, ha- ha- tell us a little bit about how the uh, event went on saturday um because I imagine that a lot of people, like I, uh, was surprised to see, um, you know, the amount of sugar that there is in everyday foods, which you don't necessarily think of as a sugary food. We can we can stand there and give out as much advice as we want to if people ask us questions. But the sugar boards are a big hit every single year. As you say, they come along and... It's the children that are quite, uh, quite amazed by it, aren't they? They don't realise in a bag of crisps or a little chocolate bar or a little drink they may have. I mean, Sun Cola yeah. and uh, the Orange Cola. Mm. Orange Sun Top, sorry. Sun Tops are... So full. Yeah. So full of sugar. I think it's six or seven yep. the, cubes of sugar. The, the, the Sun Cola and the, the other one, the Sun Top, they've actually reduced the amount of sugar already. There used to be nine teaspoons of sugar in them before, and it's four now, isn't it? Yeah. Four, four or five teaspoons of sugar now. But still, that's still, for a, a lot. small drink, because so if, much. If we, if we think that uh, the recommendation of added sugar, we're not talking about the sugar that you eat in your food, we're talking about added sugar. Right. The recommendation is only eight teaspoons a day. And if you're already having a drink that has four... That's half. That's, that's half. And then you go and maybe you have a packet of crisps or any other snack... And uh, then you're adding and adding and adding. And the problem that we are having is that people are not understanding that when they look at a food label and the food label says one gram of sugar, two grams of sugar, the, the, that is the sugar that has been added, added. to the pro- product. Whilst in fact, carbohydrates is the compound name for uh, sugar, right? And the carbohydrates get converted to sugar. So whatever carbohydrates are in a food will eventually end up as sugar once you've digested these. So what happens? You're loading, we're loading everybody up because people think that it's the sugar only, not the, the carbohydrates. The added sugar without factoring in yep. the, the, the there know, is sugar the... that foods break down into. I got so excited about this conversation <laughs> that I went straight into it without introducing you. Thank you for joining us, Nicola Head and Susan Edwards. Um, so, what, what were the most popular questions that people were asking you when, when, uh, on Main Street? It wasn't questions, it was them, them looking at the boards, especially... Uh, I, I actually did the formatted the uh, drinks board, so it was soft drinks as well as alcoholic drinks. And people looking at them, and I could hear them muttering, oh, well, I'm okay. Only an eighth of a teaspoon in a glass of red wine. Mm -hmm. Look at your rosé. That's got three in. And, oh, I'm going to have a gin and slimline tonic now. Nothing. No sugar. Look at your beer. So it was. they were also almost educating themselves into changing their drinks. And I mean, criticising uh, yeah. the one next door who has the two beers and look look how much sugar you're having in your two beers. Probably, as Susan explains, you're having over your daily allowance. And you have, a say, a vodka and full-fat Coke 
a can of Coke has ten teaspoons of sugar in it. A so full-fat can of Coke is more than the, uh, the the amount of sugar that you should have in one exactly. day as an adult. Exactly. So when you one see someone is having a can of di- a can of Coke, ten teaspoons of sugar are going inside. There are there are some products out there which we can't mention names, but they have up to four teaspoons of sugar in one drink, and one drink is nothing because that doesn't get rid of your hunger. So you have a drink and you'll have a snack with it uh, along. Now, the problem with the, with the sugar is that the sugar, we need it for energy. But if you're not going to expend that energy, that sugar needs to go somewhere and the body tr- converts that to fat. And that's why we have the problem of obesity. Which is a growing problem for Massive growing Gibraltar problem in the as much world. of the Western world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in Gibraltar, unfortunately, we... We have a hereditary trait that we are predisposed to getting type 2 diabetes because uh, people who have uh, parents, for example, no, if your parents has uh, diabetes, you inherit the risk of getting diabetes. So if you're... Type 1 and type 2? No, type 1 is autoimmune, although we know that uh, there are people who uh, have parents and children with type 1 diabetes, there isn't a particular gene that you can identify that says you're going to develop type 1 diabetes. But with type 2 diabetes, it's known that if your parent, your mother has type 2 diabetes, they pass on a 40% chance to the offspring. And if the father has type 2, it's 30%, which means by the end of of, uh, the line of people, you have families with generations and generations and generations mixing with other families with generations. So we are creating a very strong link to type 2 diabetes. A genetic predisposition predisposition to to type 2, which is triggered off by the fact that our lifestyle doesn't help in, in, in actually avoiding the trigger. Because we have the predisposition, we need to avoid the trigger. So we're we're not doing enough exercise generally, and we're certainly consuming too much sugar. Too much sugar. That that that's one of the main game changes. Too, mu- that too much sugar and the, a lack of exercise. The, the, the way that sugar has become difficult to see and 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 so present in so many of our foods. Yes. Yes. In higher quantities in higher than used quantities. to be the case than 50, 100 years ago. The thing is, we cannot say that uh, in Gibraltar people don't do exercise because we have a, a community that is very sporty and energetic, but that's the younger population. It's the older population over the age of 50 that tends to have a more sedentary lifestyle and um, then the the amount of energy that is consumed without knowing is over and above that what, what is required. Because if we think that carbohydrates come from bread, pasta, rice, potatoes, um, what else, crackers, uh, anything yeah, biscuits, that is anything biscuit, starchy. anything that is made from uh, oats, uh, carbohydrate, um, flour, uh, what else, corn, Cereals, potato, yeah, cereal, rice, yeah. anything that's made from that will get converted to sugar. So can we avoid it? No, no, it's just knowing the proportions that we should be Knowing having. the quantities. And I think that the, there are a few better ways than having that sugar board, as you said, because it, it sort of breaks it down to 
an easy to understand way because I was reading before we came on about you know uh, what what uh, how much energy from your diet you should get from sugar. Ten percent is the is the recommended amount, I believe. But but how, how do I how yeah. do I visualize that? How do I sort of convert that into something that means something to me in my food choices? That's yeah. harder. Yeah, that's but but hard. the food yeah. board yeah. allows you to at least see oh that's that's a difficult one uh, yeah. or. or that's that's got a lot of sugar. Yeah. So if I'm going to have ketchup, I, I shouldn't have too much and, and not all the time. Uh, and that sort of thing. No, and, and the drinks, uh, because, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the drinks, I think, is, a, is, is one of the, as far as I can tell, one of the big um, challenges that, that we face in, West, in the Western world. Uh, because before, if you used to drink water or, 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 or you know, something, milk, but, but mainly something that was you yeah. know, water and not sugary, then you were, you know, you you, you didn't have as much as, yes. uh, you know, a, yes. a can of soft drink now having eight uh, uh, spoonfuls of sugar. Little Morrison's apple juice carton, only the small ones which you possibly give a child to take for their break time. Only very small, five. Five. Five teaspoons of oh. apple teaspoons. juice. It's very sad, And they would drink it, it in three gulps and, oh, yeah, that was lovely. And think oh, nothing yeah. of it. I've, I've got yeah. two children and, and they love <laughs> apple juice. <laughs> exactly. The, yeah. It's very important to, to start looking at food labels. And don't look at the label in the front, which gives you the, the, the traffic light system. No, look at the back. Look at what actually the, the macro components of the, of the foods are and look at the carbohydrates. Look at what is going to get converted to sugar. Because sometimes when they sell you a product that's sugar-free, like the biscuits that they sell for the diabetics, isn't it? Mm -hmm. They sell them sugar-free and it says zero sugar. And then it has 30 grams of carbohydrate per portion. So, so zero added sugar. There's uh, a difference, exactly. as you said, between mm, yeah. the added sugar so, and the sugar yeah. already so, in the food. I mean, you can't have polvorones sugar-free. You can't have <laughs> biscuits sugar-free, you know, uh, because all these things are made with flour. And flour is a carbohydrate. Right. Okay. So let's uh, let's try and give some uh, easy to take away nuggets of information. If somebody's listening to this and they're, they're suddenly a little bit worried uh, because maybe diabetes runs in their family and and they like their biscuits and their favourite food is pasta and they like the occasional um, you know sort of soft drink, fizzy soft drink. What sort of practical advice can you give? Moderation. Moderation. I mean, even even type 1 diabetics who, who rely on insulin, they can still have a little of what they like, but it, it's the word little, uh, not a big portion. And don't overindulge. Yeah. It's, you, can't, you shouldn't deprive yourself of anything, even if you're a type 1 diabetic, because it's not fair, is it? Mm. But it is moderation. Moderation. And if you... What we used to teach when we used to do the diabetes education is... People should use the palm of their hands as their individual measure. So whatever fits in the palm of your hand is your personalised portion of carbohydrate. So Say that again, whatever... Use the palm of your hand to measure. This is your individual... What kind of food? For carbohydrates. Pasta, pasta potatoes, ice, pasta, bread. Bread, bread uh, chips. chips, sweet potatoes is a carbohydrate. People think that sweet potatoes are better than potatoes. Potatoes are potatoes. They have carbohydrates. <laughs> it's starch. Uh, um, rice, anything that uh, is known as well. There are some pulses as well, the buckwheat, the quinoa, uh, all these things will get converted to sugar. Couscous, right? So whatever fits in the palm of your hand is your individual portion. That's your portion per for, meal. For, per meal. Okay. Per meal. Not, not for the day. Phew. Per meal. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that, cut that is out helpful. the added sugars. 
no added sugars. You really don't need them because the body will take the energy from the food that will get rid of your hunger, which is what you cook at home. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. You may have heard that GBC is celebrating uh, its 60th anniversary with a special exhibition in January, as well as special programmes, one of which is a documentary about the history of Gibraltar's public broadcaster. It's called Recordándote, the GBC story. And here to talk to us about the making of that documentary is director, producer Stephen Cumming, who, of course, has been involved in broadcasting his whole life. Uh, how's that project coming along, Stephen? I'd rather you didn't ask. <laughs> it, it's, it's a difficult it, one. It's no? a difficult Mammoth one. Mammoth task. It's, it's a, the, the, the sheer volume of information is the challenge. No? And as always, I suppose, you know, the, the difficulty arises in what you leave out as opposed to what you put in. No? And what, What's the, the product? 60 minutes, 90 minutes? I have no idea. Okay. It, could, <laughs> it, could be, it could be anything from 60 minutes to three, 60, you know, three one hours. That's where we are at the moment. I would like to see it as, as three programmes. That's my current thinking. But um, being so closely involved in the story makes it more difficult to, to, to stand back and, and, and put a, um, a public view on it. So, so, so as a documentary maker, um, you, you want to be objective and you want to look at it and, and, and be as fair as possible. Absolutely right. I mean, what, that's, a, that's the prime... When you're putting together a documentary of any nature, I think, you know, you have to be neutral. You have to be distanced and you have to verify all the stories, blah, blah, blah. But this becomes uh, also, I think, GBC has been such an integral part of, of local society that you can't help thinking that you want to make it um, uh, not heart-wrenching, but at least important to the listeners. And I think the older generation will find it more attractive, perhaps, in some respects than the, than the younger because it because it, didn't, it 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 provokes uh, nostalgia of course as i say it'll be drenched in nostalgia oh, yes, it, absolutely it, it it'll be for people to look back on but i suppose it works uh, in a way uh, we've heard james niche say this about um uh, gbc rewind as well as uh, flashback Flash. which uh, i think has served to 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 quote james niche the gbc chief executive mm-hmm. has served to sort of pull families together and say, oh, look, mum and dad, remember this. Children, sit with us and we'll tell you about the Gibraltar right. of 30 years ago. That's right. And, and this might, might do something similar then. It, yes. it, it'll be, oh, it will. Yeah? It, it most certainly will. You only need to listen to the music of, of 60 years ago. That will sound, that will um, touch, I think, the hearts of, of a certain generation because music is a, is a is a, an extra does an extraordinary thing uh, it makes you remember the times that you were listening to it but also not only the 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 moments that you happen to be listening to a certain uh piece of music but it also brings back everything else that of the time and yeah that, that's extraordinary because it taps into our emotional connection absolutely and, and, right you know whether good or bad but it does and um, and 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 that that beautiful piece of music that we play at the end of the GBC Open Day, for mm. example, has that yes. uh, power. It it, yes. it it takes me back to a place that uh, I hardly knew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but sort of makes me think about my grandmother and, and right. conversations with her. And that's right. And there are so many. Uh, look, 
the story, the GBC story is fraught with good memories and bad. I mean, there's no question about it. The, the GBC has been through very difficult times at times, you know, uh, other, and, and now we're looking at a, at, a, at a new situation. But over the years, it's um, been the target of serious and heavy criticism, uh, but at the same time, has provided a a tapestry of a, a you know a, a background to Gibraltar society for many years, and if you balance them out, I think you come out you come up I think anyhow with a pretty favourable opinion about GBC. But but that's for the viewer to and the listener to decide. Okay, so uh, you, you you're um, you've got a, a month and a half. To, to bring it all together. Don't remind me. <laughs> um, so you're going to be working flat out on it, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. uh, and you're still welcoming anecdotes yes. and stories and memorabilia. The, 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 the main, the main um, thread throughout the whole documentary production is based on interviews with people that have been there and done it. I've carried out, we will have carried out about 30 interviews very, very extensive ones, which will be there for the for posterity anyhow, but it will be cut down uh, to to provide this this thread. But we, it's also important because one one thing is talking to the people who have been involved in the production of of GBC programs and radio programs, but the other thing is that the listeners are important and the viewers. So we we are looking, we're asking for people to email in their thoughts to GBC sixty at gbc.gi or call in at 200 and let us know about any anecdotes, any um, uh, interesting episodes or experiences that they may have had with GBC, good or bad. And also, that, that's on, on the one hand, which we could probably include in the, in the documentary. On the other hand, we have this exhibition that GBC is organising for January, and if anyone happens to have any, any item, any memorabilia, that might be of use, that they're willing to share with the public, all that will be very welcome. Okay, so it's gbc60 at gbc.gi. That's right, yeah. Um, And Stephen, what what would you say, uh, apart from the sort of, you've talked about how much material there is, Mm. uh, and you've also talked about the need to be objective, despite being somebody... I mean, it would be strange, really, to bring in somebody from, I don't know, uh, Andalusia or, or London <laughs> mm. to, to tell the story of the national broadcast. Mm. I think it's it's right that it be somebody who who sort of is very familiar with mm. it. But but you, you you want to ensure that you uh, you know are objective enough and, yes. and that you 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 do it justice for the viewers and listeners because right. after all, the public broadcaster is for the people. That's right. um, what what other um, challenges? As if those aren't enough. Uh, what other challenges are there? In, in telling the story and making it, um, you know, sort of a, 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 a story that has a beginning, a middle and an end? I think the biggest challenge is uh, similar to what I, I mentioned before, what do you leave out? Now, that is the, by far the biggest challenge because people are willing to talk about it, people are willing to um, share experiences and, and we've done, as I said, so many interviews that there is a vast amount of information. So that's the biggest challenge. The other one is, unfortunately that a lot of uh, archive material due to due to 
well, in, in certain circumstances, due to flooding at, at the South Barrack House. It, it uh, was, we, we were in like a, a rabbit's warren before, and, and, yeah. and, and, and subterranean at parts, uh, and when it rained, it, 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 destroyed, it was difficult it, to keep actually, the water out. No, it actually destroyed uh, old footage and old uh, recordings. So we have that problem to contend with, although there is an element of uh, a certain amount, it would have been good to, it would have been lovely to have more. But... Uh, that's a reality. Look, that, that, that we, some aspects of the story will not be able to be visualised, although there are many photographs, and, and this is what we're asking the public to, to, to provide. If there are more photographs, uh, all the better. But there are there are uh, there is a substantial amount of photographic archive, but not so much of video or film or audio because of the circumstances. Remember, GBC went has been through very difficult times in 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 trying to economise uh, its budget, hasn't been what I feel now in retrospect should have been. So storage and tape use was 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 uh, uh, did not help the storage of archives. In other words, tapes were reused because there was no money to buy new tapes. As basic as simple as that. No? And then you add the the you add the storage difficulties, and then the the flooding. You know, you you have a serious problem in trying to 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 find everything that you want. But at the same time, you have so much that you don't know what to cut. So, uh, yeah, well, it's so a dilemma, silver, you know, it's one silver of the lining to that uh, dark <laughs> absolutely, cloud absolutely. that brought the rain, yep. that flooded <laughs> the old GBC, <laughs> that did away with our tapes. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, music as well. You, you've spoken about the importance of uh, music in, in sort of establishing, uh, helping us to feel That's the, it, the yep. documentary. Uh, and I suppose this is also, uh, a, will be a story about uh, people, the people in GBC, the people that GBC are working for, the people at home. And I imagine it's also a story about technology because technology <laughs> yes, has changed absolutely. I, I dramatically. Think, and I think when you look at the very uh, the pre-GBC, remember GB, what, we are, what we are celebrating as an anniversary is the amalgamation or the, the yes, the amalgamation of Radio Gibraltar, which was a public service at the time, and a private and, entity. And preceded television, uh, public, that's broad, right, public television. But then there was a, a commercial TV station, which was Gibraltar Television, which attempted to become a, a, um, a TV service for Gibraltar and the Campo and the, 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 the Costa. It, it failed as a business because of technology, actually. You couldn't cover uh, the area that you wanted to target for commercial use and Gibraltar at the same time. So what happened was the government decided, the government at the time decided to create a public service called GBC and amalgamated the resources of radio and television. Technology, I have found that unfortunately, instead of preempting technological progress, what has happened historically is that Gibraltar has lagged behind in trying to preempt technological advance in radio and television. And what's happened is that, for example, when we went colour in 79, was because there was no more ability to service black and white, uh, and, and black and white was going out the window. So, And the same happened when we got to the digital age. We had to move from analogue video to digital video because no one was servicing analogue uh, um, equipment. So we've almost I, been sort of dragged pushed, into yes, it. Yes, yes, which is unfortunate, but look, uh, Gibraltar is a small place. It has its own priorities and its economies. I mean, from a from a professional broadcast perspective, one would always wish to ha to be one step ahead 
but you know reality and 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 what you would like are two different things okay and um and then we've got the the public's voices voice voices as well as many different voices mm. many different voices from the public coming through in the documentary as well i hope so and, and really this is the last picture ditch attempt at, at, at doing that uh, and and we would like to get serious uh, criticism in general now i mean good and bad as i say and opinion and that's why you know we're appealing to the public now to to get in contact and say look what do you want to say about ubc i'm sure before the before it all happens we will have a fallback position of of going out into the street and asking people but i would like a considered response first at least okay so yeah so the traditional vox pop where we, we go down main street a, is a, also a, a good an tool option, no? yeah but as a, as a fallback position <laughs> but you want maybe somebody who's been a, a, a lifelong listener of radio gibraltar and can tell us um this worked well before yes. then you changed it and you did this and i didn't like that y- yeah, uh, yeah and and now this is good and and, and i like this but, exactly. but more of that's yeah. right yeah and 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 anecdotes you know because there are stories that that people have 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 experienced uh, with GBC, especially through the open day, you know, but but also through other channels, through the politics, through news, through sport, you know, that they may have been happy with or not with the way GBC has responded. So a memorable story in and of itself, be it a political one, a sports one, as you say. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that will pop into the, the, the whole, telling the whole story because, I mean, it would be wrong, I think, to tell the GBC story without the pub, the public's opinion. Oh, 100%, 100%. And, and do you have a, a sort of um, script, and a narrative, mm. you know, that, 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 that you are then looking to, to sort of add uh, interview clips into? Yeah, the way it works, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you, you build up... We've carried out, as I say, almost 30... There will be 30 interviews altogether. You listen to what people have to say my own experience with GBC and and that of what I remember um, with my mother, who was a, a radio and TV presenter, I, I, that goes back that far. No, and also I have the help and the the, the wonderful assistance of of Alice Mascarenhas and Patrick Basud, who will go back many years and, and and are well experienced in the story. So between all those sources and my own uh, experiences, I create a narrative, and then the what tends to happen is I find interview sequences that 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 coincide with what i've said and then that could change i mean there or, are or challenge maybe uh, no? abso- yeah, yeah. absolutely or, or contrast maybe exactly and then then what happens is also you have interviews that give you information that you never knew of and you have to integrate it into the the the, the narrative the draft narrative again and it's a continuous process uh, you know you build it up uh, as you get the information uh, and uh, it's a fascinating process, but it's uh, it's um, a tie. Well, not tiresome. I enjoy it to be honest. <laughs> but but yeah, it, but it's it, is, a, big it is endeavor, a complex. No? It's a complex uh, to be able to get it right. I mean, one could throw something together very easily with lots of interviews and lots of old pictures. But you know, but it, you, you it, feel the weight of responsibility to try absolutely. and do a sixty-year story justice. Absolutely right. That's the challenge. 
Okay, well, we wish you every success in delivering that. I feel the weight of the challenge. <laughs> Good, just I'm sitting here with you. <laughs> I'm so glad, Jonathan. We're <laughs> sharing uh, the but, weight. But I can't wait because for, for people who, who have seen Times of Closure and, mm. and, and many other programs mm. that you've produced over the years um, in your time here at GBC, um, I'm sure that, uh, that the quality will be, will be very high and, uh, and the story will be very persuasive. Thank you. Uh, so I look forward to, to watching it and, and, and enjoying it. Enjoying it and learning new things yeah. about the about place past. where I spend most of my <laughs> life. <laughs> um, right, a reminder, Stephen, coming then. Uh, the email again is gbc60 at gbc.gi. That's right, and telephone 200 79760. And let us know of your experiences of GBC TV and Radio Gibraltar. And if they've got any photographs Absolutely. or other memorabilia really, from they GBC may have events. A prize, you know, a prize token that, that they won in a children's competition. That would be great to see <laughs> and see why you won it. <laughs> okay, well, all right. Uh, it, it, it does very much feel like a Pandora's box. But, oh, but absolutely. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> we wish you every success. In, in We'll talk about it when it's all over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.